Good morning. Hey, hey. I'm going to start bringing everyone up here. All right. You know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, um, uh, Twitter has, you know, their their kind of audio rooms that they're doing now. And I was listening to one with, uh, I don't remember who it was, maybe TechCrunch. But they had like intro music. And I was like, oh, man, maybe we yeah. should do intro music while we're like starting the room. I, I, I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> up our game. Add some theme music or something. <laughs> we're going to sophisticate our process for sure. <laughs> Once we get our retreat in place, we're going to just like, things are going to start moving, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Music's the next thing, huh? <laughs> theme music. Theme music. Get off. Listen to music. We are the champions or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It could be something like very uh, upbeat that could really get you ready for your Saturday morning, depending on what zone everybody's in. Yeah. No kidding. Exactly. <clears throat> okay, well, it's uh, top of the hour here, and so I guess I'll go ahead and get the intro going here. Uh, this is the official leading Learning to Lead Clubhouse, and we meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. on Pacific Standard Time. And we created this clubhouse uh, as a forum where we can talk openly about all things, everything leadership, challenges, successes, practical tips, uh, perspectives and achievements and and really everything in between. Um, There are leaders of all levels and industries that join this that bring a broad diversity in leadership experience and perspectives. So whether you're an entry level leader learning your way or a seasoned executive, we're all here to share our experiences and our challenges, our tips, resources, and our sage advice. And I'm going to bring the rest of you up in just a moment. And if any of you'd like to join, just please raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. We encourage you to be part of this great conversation today. So we have a great topic today and we're so pleased that everybody made time in their Saturday to do that, to invest in themselves and others. And that, that's just amazing. So a few logistics. Learning to Lead is an official clubhouse. We ask that, you know, we really encourage you to follow us. It's a great uh, platform for you to continue to grow as a leader. Um, There's also great people in this room. We really encourage you to follow them. It's great to build your network and expand it. Um, We, let's see, we will send you an invite to join the stage, like I said, or if you raise your hand, we'll bring you up. Uh, We also welcome those that are in the listening lounge. We we thank you for being here today. We hope that you'll get something out of this conversation today. That's our goal. Um, If you see the mics flashing, that's usually our sign um, clapping or agreeing with what the the speaker is, is talking about. There's also a kite at the bottom right that uh, will allow you to message us, or you can also directly message us. You can just DM us, or you can uh, see us on Instagram as well. Um, lastly, we encourage you to take advantage of our recaps. We summarize these in LinkedIn, as well as on our website, Substack. We have recordings, and we also do a summary and include resources. So again, today we have a great topic. We're so happy you're all here today, and I'm turning it over to Kelly. Thank you so much. It was a, a great opening and I'm excited to be here. Um, I know we were on break last week, so we'll I'm probably pick up some of those themes as well. But um, yeah, this is a great topic. We're going to be talking about mindfulness, mental health, and leadership. And ultimately, the, the subline of this is we're going to be talking about empathetic leadership, why it's important, what it is, and how to be an empathetic leader. So as we jump into that topic, I want to kick off with our first um first part of the day which i always love which is one word to wrap up how your week went and with that i'm going to start with tamson good morning good morning kelly i'm going to go with sad for obvious reasons there's a lot going on in the world in our country that makes me sad and uh, mental health this topic is really a good place to go with that absolutely i think we can all relate and that will be a big part of of the the discussion today courtney good morning Good morning. Um, I think I'm going to use reflection. I've just been doing a lot of that this week. So um, I think I'll, I'll pick that word. I can definitely relate to that as well. Chuck, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I think a little bit along the lines of what Tamsin said, you know, definitely some sadness as to what's what's been going on in the world. Um, and this sort of like um, increased energy at work as well. So It's been a pretty conflicting week. Absolutely. Yep. Again, very timely. We're going to have a lot to talk about today. Amrita, good morning. Hey, good morning. 
Um, I, I, I have the same word, sad, um, for the week, uh, like everyone knows, I mean, this really shook, uh, the world and it's still going on. Uh, it's just something that affects, uh, one of my best friends who's from Ukraine and, uh, her house is there and just talking to her about, you know, how it feels, it, it just hit me in, in a very different way trying to understand because I cannot like in no in no way understand that but only the person or the families who are going through it will uh will so I I don't know overall the whole week I was just reading and seeing the news and it, it was just the theme was uh has been and even today just sad uh because of the whole scenario and I I feel overall work-wise a personal life-wise I mean it's it's been okay it's been a calm week but um this did dominate uh my thinking the whole week uh what's going on in Ukraine yep absolutely yeah and again very much a part of this topic today is that we can't really contain what's happening in the world it's happening personally and, and what's happening at work so you know, something we'll, we'll be circling back to many times in this discussion. Gary, good morning. Good morning. For me, I think the word was proactive. Um, you know, with all the events that are going on uh, over in Russia, um, I work in cybersecurity and we're very concerned about retaliatory um, cyber attacks. And we do, we're responsible for ABC News, which could potentially be a target. So we've been very proactive this week, trying to just prepare for the worst case scenario. All shields up. Yeah, it's, a good, it's, a, it's fascinating again, and probably a whole other topic we could talk about, uh, digging into that again, like the, the way that these things all impact both, again, things that are happening in the world, but when you have a role, um, you know, and again, moving to Mako next, you know, I think when you live in the world of cybersecurity and you've spent time there and work there, it's, you know, it's a different lens in which you have to kind of operate and think about some of these things that are happening. Mako, good morning. Uh, um, let's say caffeinated. I got some new Joshua Tree coffee that I'm trying, which uh, it's pretty damn good. So it's been, I, I've needed a lot of caffeine this week. I can relate to that too. And yeah, Joshua Tree does have really good coffee. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good one. And I, I actually need to probably buy some more. Uh, Tamara, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, you know, I think I really um, resonate with what a lot of you have said. I mean, there's a lot on our minds about what's going on in the world today. Um, but I would also say I have the flip side of that. I think, Chuck, you said energetic. I feel really complete. I feel like it was a really good week for me at work, um, considering the challenges I'm facing. So kind of that, you know, that that little bit of a, um, you know, opposites attract or, or opposing positions is going on inside of me as well. Yeah, again, uh, timely that we've chosen this topic when there's a lot happening in the world and we're all being impacted by it in different ways. Um, I think for my word of the week, you know, in addition to a lot of what everybody has said about, you know, balancing between the, the, the impacts of what's happening in the world, I think my, my word would probably be somewhere along the lines of, of juggling. Uh, it's been very busy at work. I'm doing a lot of different things that um, are challenging the art of delegation in a new level for me right now. But um but it's been a, a good exercise in, in both empowering my team, um, finding areas that really actually require my focus and my attention and things that don't. And I think that's a, just another level as we think about growth in general is you know where our attention goes and letting go of some of the things that we should really be empowering our team you know, to, to be taking on and, and leading in and giving them that growth. So it's been a little bit of a juggling act um, because it's just been very, very busy. But uh, overall, overall good and, and productive. So I want to move into the conversation for today. Again, it's, it's come up, you know, as we've been, you know, you know, in this moment of reflection, always looking back on our week and really asking ourselves, how would we summarize our week and what are we taking away? And I think what, what came up in studying this topic this week, you know, is this, you know, obviously there's a, a crisis happening. There is a war going on in Ukraine and it definitely hit me in a very real way this week in that I was having some conversations at work and it was a very real reminder that even though I may not personally be directly impacted, I may not know someone personally, I may not 
you know, have some direct connection to the situation that's happening, it doesn't mean that there aren't people around me in my team that are being impacted by this. And we've talked about the importance of mental health and focusing on that from a leadership perspective. So us as individuals, how are we caring for ourselves, checking in with ourselves and managing our own mental health? And today, what I really want to focus on is how are we investing in our team and how are we ultimately becoming an empathetic leader to invest in our team when things are going on in the world that are going to start to continue to challenge this expectation that anything can be contained from your personal life to your work life. And often we're taught and trained early in our careers that, you know, when you're at work, you're at work. And when you're off, you're off and there's no blending, but that's just not reality. At the end of the day, we're all humans and we work together. So what I want to discuss today, and I'm really, really excited to, to talk with you all and learn from you is number one, I think really talking about like, what is empathetic leader and defining what that is. And then I think understanding why it's so important. And I have some, some data that I've actually pulled today, you know, to talk about some of the stats that are out there about why empathetic leadership is so important. And then of course, really close out this conversation with how do you do this? What does it look like in practice? So starting with the definition, you know, if I just think about some of the research that I did, you know, one of the definitions that I saw that I think really wraps up empathetic leadership. And then I want to hear from the group, like, how do you think about like, what is an empathetic leader? What does that mean to you? Being an empathetic leader is really about having the ability to understand the needs of others and be aware of their thoughts and feelings. And I think this is a, a huge part. And again, already came up in the reflective, you know, word of the week portion of this, which is understanding what's happening with the individuals around you, even if you are not being directly impacted by this. And I think probably everyone here has, has an example that they can share from a leadership perspective, given what we've all been dealing with since 2020 and a global pandemic happening and social unrest and protest and, um, and, and the insurrection of January 6th. And, you know, the list goes on the Afghan, you know, uh, th this, you know, conflicts that were happening and now Ukraine, there's a lot that's happening in the world. And those are at a macro big scale that doesn't even really acknowledge that people may be dealing with very different, specific, unique situations in their own lives. Um, so that's, I think this is a moment of, of, of pause and that we're dealing with this, whether we like it or not, we're all having to deal with this and really acknowledging it. So I'll pause. I said a lot there. What are your thoughts? And does anybody have something they want to share in regards to how you really define what empathetic leadership is and what that means to you? Um, and maybe you don't know a lot about this. This is a relatively new thing that's being talked about, but I would love to open it to the floor if anyone wants to add to, you know, how you define empathetic leadership. I can jump in. Um, I, I would say it's something that's, this is something that's really resonated with me over the past couple of years. And I've seen, there's, um, I've seen some articles about how empathy is, um, or lack of empathy is, is directly related to, um, the great resignation and is the key to mitigating risk to the great resignation. Um, and amongst those articles, one of them really resonated with me. <clears throat> and I think it was, um, they basically stated that organizations aren't listening to people. Um, specifically, leadership isn't listening to people. They're just kind of marching on with what they what they want to do, kind of regardless of the context of what is going on, whether that's the resignations, um, the attrition, um, social injustice, um, war, et cetera, all these different things that are happening, you know, in the world. And, um, and I, yeah, I think there's something to that where, you know, at least to, to, to build that empathy, you have to, to listen to what people are saying. And it's not just about status updates and, and work progress. It's about what's going on in their lives and what is meaningful to them in the workplace going forward in the future. I'll just throw on there. I think one thing that is often overlooked is that you have to be able to take care of yourself as a leader or else you're just not going to show up as you know your best for your team i know that sounds a little maybe hypocritical because like you want to invest your time in your team and, and what's on them but sometimes you know the focus really has got to be i think sometimes on yourself right because if you're not in that good mental state if you're not showing up you're not getting enough sleep you're not getting enough whatever 
you're not going to be able to be clear, focused, and controlled for your team. I think it's also about understanding each of the individuals in your team and, and, and beyond just what they tell you, sort of be, be more probing and really understand where they came from. I, I had an interesting um, situation this week. Um, we're going through a reorg and I'm going to be getting um, some new team members. And um, I've been looped in on, on a problem that one of them is having at work. And he was coming across as a real a-hole. And I, I messaged his current boss. And uh, all of a sudden, I looked at his surname and realized, hmm, I, I wonder if he's from Ukrainian descent. So I, I messaged his boss and, and asked. And, and sure enough, he, he was um, from the Ukraine. And um, I was able to sort of sync up with him and, you know, sympathize and tell him to take the time that he needed uh, while all this was going on. And uh, that really sort of changed that that situation. But my initial thoughts of him were, this guy's an a-hole. But no, he wasn't. He was just had a lot of stress on. That's incredibly powerful. Uh, and just, I think, it, it, just a moment ago, what, what uh, Steve said about, you know, taking care so you can come forth and be clear, clear, clearly focused and, and controlled with your team. You know, that, that just that level, that powerful level of self-awareness, you know, if you can get present, get out of your own ego and just think about what's going on and what might be driving behavior like that, that was just, that's a huge step forward and, and such a great step and demonstration of excellent leadership. I had a question around that. So um, there's some people in the team who are not big on speaking up, right? And so, or not vocal enough to share their emotions maybe. So it, at times it feels confusing whether they are experiencing something. I mean, I would always expect there's something that they are experiencing. It's just, they're not talking about it. So is it, I always feel confused about this. Is this something that I should initiate a conversation or or take that chance? Like, no, they will talk first and then I listen. Yeah, I think yes. when we get into the when we get into the the how, right? How do you actually practice empathetic leadership? And I think everybody's shared really, really good insights already. And I, I think again you know, you know, back to even check what you were sharing and, and Mako, I think it's really important, like invest in yourself, but also when you invest in yourself, you're again, I'm a big believer in modeling behavior. You're also demonstrating in practice that it's important that your team equally, they have to invest in themselves, right? And if we don't walk the walk, then, you know, it's, no one's going to actually believe what we're saying. Um, and I think even to, to Gary's point, right? I think sometimes it goes back to the term that we've used a lot here, which is, you know, assume positive intent, right? And if something's going on, you know, coming from a place of trying to understand what is happening versus just assuming the person's an a-hole, right? Or that, you know, the person's just being a jerk or they're just, you know, whatever, like ha taking, giving them the space to understand what they might be going through. And I think, and Rita, what you're heading on from the how, how do you do this is, I think there is holding space for people but I do think it's more important often, and I, and I can speak for myself, I think often early in my career, a lot of the climate around you know, business was, again, we don't, we don't talk about it. We don't ask people questions. We don't have any conversations that feel uncomfortable. We leave that to like HR to do it, or we leave it only to the employee or our team member that it's in there completely within their, their court that they have to deal with it. And I think the shift that's happening now is that we have to embrace as leaders sometimes the uncomfortable conversations of, of checking in with people, kind of in the way that, you know, Gary was even just talking about it, both from doing a little bit of intel with a previous leader and then talking to that individual. And it may feel uncomfortable because we're not used to doing that at the workplace, but that's really what empathetic leader looks, leadership looks like in practice is, you know, having the one-on-one -on -one with somebody and checking in and asking, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? Are you okay? How is your family? How's your personal life? Because often we don't we don't create room for that. We only talk about the status of the projects or the tasks at hand, and we have to start to create that space to check in with people and let them know that we are available to have those conversations with them because we actually care about what's happening to them. And that may not immediately have people open up, 
but it will start to open the door that they know that you are a leader that cares about them and what might be happening in their life outside of their work. Kelly, can I give you a counterpoint? Of course. This is a safe space, Mako. Well, you know, spaces are weird these days. Um, look, you know, I had a really interesting thing happen and I'm, I'm, I want to protect the innocent. So I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but you know, situationally, you know, I had a, uh, an employee member of a different team, um, who, uh, I connected with on a project level, really good expert in a, in a certain particular area that my team was, was, uh, lacking. So I uh, talked to his boss and I had him come over and just, you know, lend us a hand, help us out in certain, uh, certain areas. And uh, at first it was going really, really, really well. And, you know, finally he was feeling sort of appreciated. His skill was being put to use, et cetera. Then I started getting a bunch of messages about how much he hated his boss and how much he hated and he felt like he was unappreciated. And I was the only person that understood <laughs> And it, it started turning into like just kind of crazy if I'm being, you know, just frank, you know, and like, you, you know, you try to be an empathetic leader, you try to help out, you know, I was giving a lot of advice about talk to your boss about this, talk to HR about this. This is, you know, you should have that conversation with them. You know, I, I know better to get like too deeply involved in those types of situations, but, but it really turned into a place where by Tuesday this week, I must've gotten 150 messages before 730 AM. Like it was really getting out of hand. And then how it all backfired was my help trying to help out, bringing them on board, trying to help out basically in an HR explosion. This guy basically, you know, said, well, other teams appreciate me. You know, you're dumb. You don't appreciate me. He was boss. And I got dragged into the whole situation. Now, I didn't do anything wrong, you know, but like that's that's the black hole sometimes you can get sucked into. With, with these things. And it's just, you got to walk a very careful balance because there's just some people you can't fix. You know, it's like, you can't fix everybody. And, you know, I have to say, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room, if you're just an asshole to everybody, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll use Gary's word an a-hole to everybody. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter. But you know, it, it, there's just, there's just a balance you got to place there and it's going to be very individualized. I don't think there's a, a single answer for everything. Yeah, that that totally yeah, it's resonates good... with me too. Kelly, we're going to say something. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I was going to say it's a really good a good reminder. And again, I think it's 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 a lot of the things that we talked about here, right? Which is is be there for people, be an empathetic leader, be available to hear them, to support them, to mentor them, to coach them. Boundaries are still important. So if someone is overstepping or you know again getting a hundred messages before seven, maybe a boundary issue. But also that there are moments in time where it is exactly what you were saying, you know, may go about, you know, engage with your leader or a point in time where it's now is a conversation that I'm going to recommend you talk to HR because it's just not something that I'm going to be able to solve for you. But I think that knowing that these things will happen and figuring out the way to navigate it is really important. I think the part that I would add on to this is don't let the fear of these situations block you from being a leader who is available and open. And I know you are Mako and that's, you know, that's, you know, hence why often you, you're even experiencing this is by being available to help others, even outside of your organization. But I think so often, you know, we get afraid as leaders, we get afraid of, of doing the wrong thing or of saying the wrong thing of not having the right answer, not having a solution. And it's not always a solution. And so it blocks us from even starting. And I think that's a big part of understanding that, again, what I think opened up, I think, a lot of our eyes starting in 2020 is it's, it's more important to kind of be uncomfortable and put yourself out there a little bit more to meet people where they are than it is to just ignore the situation, which back to what Chuck was saying, actually is one of the key factors of what's happening with this great resignation. The great resignation is about realignment of values for sure, but it is also about people now wanting to be around, you know, leaders and teams and companies that actually understand what's going on and acknowledge it and understand the, the power of, of empathy. And I pulled, as I mentioned, I pulled some data and I think to, to reinforce even what, what Chuck was saying, and I'll, I'll share this in the resource. So there was a study on kind of survey, surveying a wide breadth of, of individuals. It was a, a Qualtrics study, and they were kind of talking about 
you know, what, what the state of people's mental health is right now. And again, we talked about this as leaders. So I'm sure you're going to see yourself in one of these stats, but I think it's important for us to acknowledge our team is probably reflected in one or more of these stats. And right now, 42% of people say they, they have experienced a decline in their mental health. 67% have experienced an increase in their stress. 57% are more anxious. 54% are emotionally exhausted. 28% are having trouble concentrating. 12% are really having trouble juggling the demands of their work and their life. And what happens, and we've talked about this, what happens as a result of all of this is all these stress and anxiety and the wearing on mental health, it ends up you know, impacting how successful we are in our work, how we successful we are in our personal life, our sleep, our health. There's so many factors to this. So I think you know, acknowledging that this isn't, you know, sometimes we as leaders feel like we're alone navigating this for ourselves. Back to Steve's point, you have to make sure that you're investing in yourself and your own mental health and you're dealing with, you may be feeling one or more of these or, or again, identify. But also this is really about, now let me look at my team and say, okay, understand that one or more of my team members is probably reflected here. They're probably feeling one of these. So how do I, how do I acknowledge that, right? How do I have that conversation and and start to create some space to acknowledge that they might be feeling, you know, any one of these ways and not just again, ignore it or assume that we'll all just figure it out on our own. Yeah, I wanted to uh, also kind of go back to the question that uh, uh, Rita was talking about. And I think that the other piece I would kind of add in here is like building trust. Um, I, I just want to make sure I don't like, well, you don't just skip over that. Cause I think it's a really good question what you asked and we may Kelly, I know we'll get more into the how, but I wanted to, to, to add the build the building of trust and tagging on to what you're talking about, Kelly. I, I think you're right. I think people, especially uh, all the things that have happened with the pandemic, for example, people are now, there was this space, right? Where all of a sudden people were home, people were isolating. They were now working from home, this kind of big shift in how, we culturally work and uh, not for me because i'm in healthcare but for for many people they were working from home and that gave people this the space to suddenly become more aware of who they are what they want you know what does success look like for them and then in addition to that like challenges of the family like i've had several staff even up to including a couple of weeks ago who have who are single parents who have children at home you know if a covid test comes back positive the kids back at home on zoom and the parents are struggling with how to how to how to manage that and it's just shifted the whole perspective of of how people view their work life versus their their home life and just trying to survive and so i've even felt the ripple effect of of retention significant retention i was just telling kelly recently that i've gone through 10 10 nurses in a, in a year, you know, and, and I just had another one resign and it's, it's just, it's just, you kind of hit this, this, uh, uh, this, I guess, for lack of a better term, like a cliff of just like, I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. And, and it's, it's, it's tapping into network. It's, it's tapping into every favor you can pull out there to, to keep building a team, not just a team, not just putting more bodies in there, but actually putting people in there that are actually strong, that are going to build a strong, effective team. So there's so many dynamics here, but I think that the, the empathetic leader is somebody who connects with, with those people on a level of trust. And I really, really work with my team a lot on this. I've talked about cloud time. I've talked about, you know, uh, the way that I interact with them and one-on-ones and whatnot, but just really connecting with those people so that they feel your support and then they're willing and, and they want to be part of, of your team. And uh, so, and, and I, wanna, I wanna also put out there, you know, Kelly, we can kind of figure out how to build this in, but I'd be curious to know how all of you would define empathy versus compassion. For me personally, empathy is more of a kind of feeling with them, getting really emotionally connected to them versus being compassionate where I can still remain objective as a leader, but support them and help, you know, figure out what they need to support them versus getting sucked into the story. Chuck, this may resonate with you because, you know, as we go through through coaching, we learn how to ask different questions. And for me as a nurse by trade, uh, I typically will get really sucked into emotions. I even find myself, you know, furrowing my brow when I'm listening to people talk and I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm getting sucked into the story. I need to remain somewhat objective. Even though I have a lot of uh, empathy, 
I have to get into the state of compassion so that I am able to still be effective as a leader and not just get sucked into the story. I'll stop talking. Thank you. You know, you know what I thought was really just interesting, just going back to a previous point, I read an article this week that it really isn't the great resignation, but it's more the great reevaluation. And I really like that framing. I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. It's not just about people quitting and not going off and doing stuff. It's about you know reevaluating what they're doing with their lives. That That's true. I, I agree. And I just love that you just redefine that because even a lot of the nurses that I'm losing, they're not leaving because they're unhappy or they, they don't like their job or they don't like what they're doing. It's like you said, it's a reevaluation. I'm going to, I want to be with my family. I want to travel. I want to, you know, work from home, whatever it is. So thank you for throwing that out there. Yeah. And Tamara, I think that 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 absolutely did resonate, you know, with what you said. And, you know, a part of what we're trained to do in the coaching space is to um, provide a safe space for people. Um, and you have to be very careful about, you know, when there people are going through emotions, not to reflect those emotions back. Um, like you would just, you know, and it sounds weird to like, you know, to sort of shut off your emotions, but you need to let, you need to help them work through their emotions and, um, kind of tied into that topic of what we're talking about today with mindfulness and mental health, you know, and, um, in the leadership space, people are going to throw and talk about different um, aspects of life at you that are hard to talk about. And so you have to take, make sure you do take care of yourself so that you can, um, you know, create that space for them to, to talk about those things. Yeah. And I think it's really, again, all really, really, really good points because I think, again, we, we, we need to make sure that we are not, taking on the emotions of what's going on around us. And I think also as a leader, understanding that again, some of the things that people may be navigating in their life, like they're, we are not going to be able to solve, right? And some of these things, it's about, it's about space. It's about, um, you know, understanding, it's about listening. And sometimes it's about, you know, helping provide solutions when it comes to flexibility. So in the example that, you know, Tamara brought up about, you know, if you have a, of, you know, and I, we, we probably all have examples of this, of, of individuals who maybe have, you know, kids and they're trying to adjust to the shifts of, of having support or school or school shifting or their kid being sent home. And, and it's not going to be just, we'll figure it out. You now have an eight-year-old that's sitting on Zoom trying to go to school. It's about how can I provide some flexibility so that you feel like I'm here to support you when you're going through this, even though I can't solve what's happening ultimately, but I can be there to, to understand and I can be there to provide flexibility, but understand you are not as a leader going to have the answer or the solution. And that's something that we have to be very careful of feeling like we all you know, need to lean in and have an answer and have a solution and be able to try to fix a problem that is really not ours to fix. And uh, Amrit, I wanted to add something else I, I failed to say earlier is um, you talked about the ones that don't speak up. Um, and I, I'm just curious. I mean, I think that that's, that's like a, like an aha, like, um, most of the time, a lot of time, or a lot of times I say people who are out in the front, you know, maybe a type, uh, extroverted, whatever people, even people that can be somewhat manipulative in my opinion, um, may get a lot of the attention and the ones that aren't speaking up, um, maybe experience a lot of things and, and just not getting the airtime. Maybe it's, it's a lack of confidence, hey, everybody. maybe. They're just being really, they have a really, you know, things that they're really struggling with. And so I would just say that in, in those situations, I it, just to, and maybe others can share what they do, but, you know, whether that's one-on-ones or, uh, you know, taking them to for coffee or something just to try to open them up because most people won't speak up if they don't feel that it's safe or it's, or it's secure or that they trust the person they're speaking to, that they have their confidence that, they really, it really do in fact care about them. Um, so I'm curious to know uh, maybe for you, if you're doing that, or maybe others have other ideas about how to engage those that don't speak up. So currently, uh, like because of the whole um, pandemic scenario, I 
I usually try to have one-on-ones that are purely just not work-related. Um, I did uh, figure out later on that one of the folks who was that silent was more of manipulative. But uh, even like with him, I tried to have more engagements that are non-work related. I think that helped, that helped him open up also. And I, and, and I tried to share bits pieces of my uh, personal life as well. Uh, you know, what inspires me or just motivates me in general uh, um, and uh, what I do in free time. And there are so many things. What's my uh, learning and development path each week uh, that I really like doing and focus. So that opened up more, um, I would say, topics for us to discuss. Uh, but I think that helped. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And as we as we start to shift into the you know the, the back end of our our conversation here, you know, and I think we start to talk about how do you do this. And it's, it's great, Amrita, even just some of the things that you you called out. I will add my 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 few other stats here, and again, I'll, I'll share the link to the to the resource um, in the resource section of our recap. But you know, if we reinforce the importance of of empathetic leadership and why why this is important, we talked about it from you know the I like the the great resignation, really the great reevaluation. You know, some of the stats. There was a study by Catalyst that talks about the benefits of empathetic leadership, and just to ground us again from a data perspective and in polling and hearing what people are thinking and feeling and how they're responding, you know, from an innovation perspective, people who felt like they had empathetic leaders were 61% more innovative and they felt like they were more able to be more innovative at work versus 13% who did not see that they had empathetic leaders and that being an enablement to them being innovative at work. From an engagement perspective, you know, 76% of people felt engaged at their workplace when they were working with an empathetic leader versus 32% who did not. From retention, as we talk about retention as a key factor, um, you know, they did a poll and they actually broke it by both women, uh, white women and women of color. 57% of white women and 62% of women of color were actually unlikely to leave a company if they felt like they had a leader who understood their life circumstances and were uh, uh, valued what they were going through. Versus if you think about when they when they say they don't have that, it actually is 14% and 30%. So it's really important to think about that. And then two more stats, you know, from an inclusivity perspective, as we talk about that as a key component to, you know, the importance of thinking about team dynamics and success, you know, 50% of people with empathetic leaders, you know, saw their saw and reflected their workplace as as inclusive versus 17%. Um, on the other side of not seeing an empathetic leader or feeling that was in place within their, their leadership team. And this is not going to be a shocking one, but, you know, I think when it comes to kind of this illusion of a term of work-life balance, right, this understanding that we have a life outside of work and it's not it's not always easily contained in a box, there's this idea. And, and as they polled in really thinking about empathetic leadership, there was, you know, 80% of people who had you know, believe they had empathetic leaders, felt empowered and understood the management and they felt supported in managing the demands of their life and their work versus, you know, 60% of people. So again, I always like to ground in data and understand that again, both for ourselves, we may identify with some of these stats and say, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, I feel that way. But understanding again, now let's look at our team and how is our team feeling and what are they seeing and how would they be represented in these stats? So as we as we think about you know those factors, the benefits of empathetic leadership from even a business perspective, but also a dynamic and relationship and, and team dynamic perspective, how do you do this? So in the last kind of twenty minutes of our discussion, I'll throw out a couple. And again, we've started this conversation that's come up even with with Emery's question. You know, I would first open with remember that you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have all the answers, and you don't have to have all the solutions. And it's okay to sometimes say this is a conversation that. You know, I'm going to bring HR in and people shouldn't be afraid always of that conversation to be able to say, you're going to ask for some help or you're going to seek counsel as a leader on how to better support someone. But I think there's a lot that we can do both, you know, seeking resources for educating ourselves and educating our teams, sometimes doing those classes together or sharing those resources and discussing them collectively as a team can be really important. I think creating the space to have the conversations and follow up with actions where necessary. And again, that might be you know, if someone needs something, they're challenged with something, 
even go back to what's happening very real right now with Ukraine. If you discover that somebody is directly impacted by that or being impacted by that, give them the space and understand that we can create some flexibility for that. And that might be flexing their schedule. That might be giving them some time off. That might be giving them an extra coverage. So they have the room to, to be able to process and deal with what's happening, you know, in their personal life. I think as we talk about the tactics of, you know, what this looks like. I think it's one-on-one -on -one meetings, as Amrita brought up. It's team meetings and discussions, but also understand that not everyone is going to feel comfortable speaking up, as Tamara said, and it might take time to build that trust and to open that channel of communication, but this is where you can also leverage other inputs. I'm a big believer in even just doing anonymous surveys, just checking in, and you can think about this from you know workplace and organizational and vision and everything else, but you can also just do a check-in to say, you know, how are you doing? Are you feeling, uh, you know, where where would you, you know, rate your, you know, happiness? Think about different questions that you can ask your team to start to gauge how they're doing. And again, reinforce that you as a leader care and you want to hear from them and you want to capture it. So, you know, think about those are some of the tactics that we can do both from a conversation to one-on-ones to offline surveys that allow people to start to feel safe. And then, I'll, I'll kind of close my my thoughts and open it to the room, which is some of the things that, you know, Tamara and Chuck hit on, which is, you know, when you're going through this conversation, you know, making sure that that you are listening, that you are present, that you are really making sure that you're not interrupting, that you're not problem solving, that sometimes it's just about listening and being there for people, even if we don't directly understand what they're going through. Um, that can be so powerful in building up those 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 channels of communication and establishing trust and demonstrating that you're again an empathetic leader. So I'll pause there. Love to hear from others, you know, and on how you demonstrate and show up as an empathetic leader. I think the establishing trust is very important, Kelly. And I, I think one of the ways that that you do that. Um, and one of the ways I, I try to do that is I, I use Mark's not here today, but I use Mark's set of questions in, in my one on ones, ask them how I'm doing as a leader. What can I do to sort of make their lives better type thing? Um, but always when they ask for something, always follow through. If it's something that, that you agree with, make sure you deliver because and that will start to build the trust and that, that will start to. Um, get get your employees to really think, yeah, this th this person is really trying to help me, right? So follow through is really important to build trust. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think again, it's 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 the trust, and I think you know it's a good reminder, um, Gary. Also, which is again, we talk about kind of one on ones that you know sometimes the way of building this trust is is making this a part of a regular conversation and i think sometimes also you know this is an area that when things are happening in the world and again where the discomfort comes up is we often just sometimes say well i don't know how to have the conversation so i won't have the conversation but there's very uh, small ways that you can start to step into this and, and as an example again you know with this week you know, with everything going on in Ukraine, you know, I, I, I had some one-on-ones that were already scheduled. So we had had a conversation and I think just opening the conversation with acknowledging that, you know, there's a lot happening in the world and let's, let's take a minute to acknowledge that this is happening. And then, you know, we can talk about other things, but let's, let's create some space if we need to go deeper in this conversation. But, you know, my team uses, uses Slack as well. And, you know, I even made a point just to even do a quick check-in with my leadership team to say, hey, there's a lot going on. You know, if you need something, let's let's chat. If you need additional resources or someone on your team needs additional resources, I'm available, you know, happy to also bring in HR, provide support where we need, just, you know, to even just send a small message to reinforce that this matters and that I am available is really important. And sometimes it can be very overlooked because we think we have to do a lot of big actions, but sometimes the really small actions of just reinforcing, again, both trust, but I think a really important aspect is reinforcing that we are available, we are approachable, and we are, we are, we will make ourselves make time for, for these conversations because they are important. Um, when sometimes this hasn't been the state that, that teams have always been in, right? If we think about empathetic leadership is becoming a topic that I think more recently we have been more comfortable talking about, but it's not even to, to make those example, it's not everywhere. It's not common with every leader. And it's not something that all individuals may have experienced. So 
it will take time to introduce what this looks like and again demonstrate through actions what an empathetic leader empathetic leader looks like are there other ways that others are are demonstrating this or using this you know in their in their work with their teams okay so i just want to throw out uh, the thoughts that come to me as i'm listening is again small ways you know kind of what you mentioned it doesn't have to be a big you know, time-consuming effort. Uh, I learned from a leader many, many, many years ago uh, when I was struggling or, or challenging with uh, having challenges and whatnot. He used to use the term break bread. Mako, um, uh, you've said things about, you know, like get some ice cream, right? It can be something very simple, but it's the connection. It's the connection that that waters the tree. And then slowly you see these people, you know, start to trust and start to speak up and start to make make movement forward and um one of my revelations in leadership is you know we have busy schedules i had busy schedule i'm running from one meeting to the next i've got people calling me on the phone so it was a bit frenetic you know i was in sort of the state of uh, being frenetic most of the time and it was it was probably about you know maybe about 7 years ago that i finally realized i needed to slow down i would have people stop me in the hallway as i'm running from one thing to the next and it was like hi goodbye no connection right just a nice smile but that's not really making a connection and i purposely and intent with a real true intention started to sit down or stop and really give that person, even if it was five minutes, I gave them my full undivided attention. And I started to find different connections and started to see that these relationships started to really blossom and grow into something much different than it was before. And so it can be something as simple as that. Uh, it could be, you know, going out and doing walking meetings. It could be, uh, you know, there's so many ways to connect with people, but just making space for it. and and not even making space. That's that's not really what I want to say. I, I, I think it's about the presence, being present and, and really having a true intention about making time for it and uh, awareness, like really making it important, making it part of your value system that you're going to stop and you're going to get to know people. That may be the quiet person in your team. That might be a peer on the other side. That might be um, a, a staff member in another, you know, in another team that you maybe feel like you need to connect with. It's I found this to be so powerful just to take that little bit of effort and just to connect with people, you know, for a few minutes. And I, I just I can't even express to you guys how much I learned about people. You know, we judge a book by its cover. Oftentimes we'll look at this somebody and we'll already be judging them. It's a natural human reaction to start to judge people. But when you put the judgment aside and you become present and aware, you start to learn that that, that you were completely 99% off on your judgment there. So I, I, I'm done speaking. I also think, and this goes kind of under the same category as the trust building, that being vulnerable, and I know we've talked about that before too, I think often when, you know, leaders are expected to be strong and demonstrate that they're, you know, they've got this. And often I hear too that being vulnerable means you're being weak, which I just believe it's the opposite. And I think our teams see that as authentic and a way to kind of, I don't know, open up the dialogue because if you're, and it's not to say that you can't still demonstrate, you know, being calm and helping teams, you know, navigate the dynamic, but that it is okay to be vulnerable and admit that you don't have all the answers. Yeah, I love I love both of what what you've hit on. I think Tamara, it's really important what you were saying, which is, you know, be present um, is really important because we do sometimes just rush through, um, or we might talk with somebody, but we're you know we're not really listening. We're we're maybe listening with the intent to speak or answer or respond. We're not really listening with the intent to understand. I think that's really important. And I think you know, Courtney, to your point, I think you know we want to always instill a, a, an amount of confidence with our team that we are there and we are the leader and we have their back and we know where we're going. And that's really important, but I, I think you're right. And I think this is a moment and I think it's so important about this shift in and this focus on empathetic leadership is that we are also humanizing ourselves as leaders. And I think, you know, relating to people 
I think is one of the best lessons that we can also teach when we talk about this forum being created to really think about learning to lead and that journey of leadership, that it's a continuous journey is, you know, I think sometimes I have a lot of frequent conversations with folks to know that, you know, you don't just reach a certain level or a certain title or a certain tenure and you just have all the answers as a leader. That's just not the way that it works. And I think the more that we can start to be open about the journey and be open about the experience and understand that we're all learning and we're all navigating a lot. It doesn't matter if you're in the leadership position or you're on a team or, you know, direct leadership or indirect leadership. Like we all have a role. And I think it's it's sharing that journey with our teams is really powerful. And especially when we acknowledge that we're all navigating the complexities of our personal life and juggling life and work and personal and professional and all the demands. I think those are, again, the ways that we start to, again, it goes, I think, all the way back to, to even, you know, what Gary had brought up too about it really reinforces trust because now we're being open with each other and we're talking about, you know, what it means to be uh, a leader, what it means to be somebody navigating the world today and the complexities that are there. And it can feel very heady and theoretical, but it allows us to connect in a way that I think is really powerful. And whenever I've had conversations that get to the human level of what people are experiencing with my team, I think it, it definitely deepens our connection and that level of trust and as a team, that understanding that we all support each other and understand where each other's coming from, which ultimately back to like the business staff, even it just makes us more successful as a team. Um, and I've only, I've seen it go that direction far more than, than the negative, the negative aspects and the, you know, the fear that can lead into not having the conversations or not being vulnerable, because I agree with you, Courtney, I don't, I don't think it is a weakness. And sometimes it has been reinforced that it is a weakness to be vulnerable. Um, and I've quite frequently seen that it's actually far more of a strength for both leaderships and well, as well as building really, really strong and effective teams. All right, we're getting into our last couple minutes here. Um, and the time goes by really fast. I know we've talked about a really, one of our heavier topics, a bigger topic. It's a little bit more theoretical at times, but I definitely want to open to the floor. Are there any other, um, you know, number one kind of considerations as you're thinking about empathetic leadership, how to do this, you know, what does it look like? Um, and any other questions or things that you might have been experiencing? And I think we've had some great questions and, and examples that have come up about you know how do you do this in practice and how do you navigate this? So I'm happy to open it to the floor if there's any any questions or additional thoughts that you want to call out around this this topic. Uh, you know I I have something I want to share with the group and that is that I have had kind of an interesting aha moment, a little bit of an aha moment. But uh I have uh a staff member who uh, lost their son about seven months ago. And uh, it, it's interesting when you have uh, a team member who has a death in the family, you know, how, how profound that is. I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to lose a parent. It's a difficult thing to lose a friend, to lose a sibling, but to lose a child is, is, is absolutely profound. And uh yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, did you want to say something, Galliano? No, I said it is sad. Yeah, and and so it's interesting as a leader to work with a, a team member who is, who's struggling with that. And I've had to do a lot of really creative um, flexibility with this person to allow them that space. But I think in when we're not aware and we're not present as leaders, it's easy for us to judge them and think, hey, just get over it. Or you're here at work, don't bring your problems to work, right? And I'm curious to know if any of you have dealt with that, somebody who's had a significant loss in their life and how you as a leader have helped them through that grief process. You know, I'll chime in while while other folks are, are thinking about it because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, a terrible tragedy for, for anyone to deal with, with a loss, especially like that, but a loss in general, you know, and I think, you know, I, I haven't directly dealt with it, but I've, I've dealt with different circumstances where I've had, you know, very real conversations with, with folks on my team who've been dealing with, you know, maybe serious situations, you know, in their life. And what I have found um, 
has been really important that that I've been able to do for them as a leader is number one, you know, listening and being present for them as what you hit on camera to, you know, providing the flexibility so that they can take the space where they need to and know that that I'm completely supportive of providing that flexibility. But I've also had very I've had times where I I talk to individuals that have been going through maybe even very severe kind of, you know, health issues. And they they continue to try to want to come to work or continue to work or continue to show up or or they they want to lean into the flex schedule. And often I've had to have conversations where I really talk to them about maybe it's time for you to just take some time for yourself and to know that that is a resource available to you and that we can have a conversation about taking a break and stepping back and knowing that we will be here for you when you are ready to come back. But sometimes just giving people the space to understand, number one, what resources are available to them, but also giving them that comfort and almost that permission to know that it's okay to take that time and that we're going to be here for you in any way that we need to be here for you. And sometimes that means also recommending a resource like maybe you need to take a leave and that's okay and you shouldn't be ashamed or worried about that. You should take the time that you need to really heal and focus on yourself and focus on your family. And, and sometimes it's, it's a bit important to say that so that people feel like that is something that they can do and should do because I think there's a lot of fear based of, of I can't do that because therefore I'm, I'm leaving or my job's going to be at risk. And I think we as leaders can reinforce what tools and resources are available and sometimes recommend those bigger options, uh, especially when there's something really serious going on in someone's life. Yeah, I, I've had this happen twice with two employees losing spouses. And I, I think number one is I, I think they always try to come back to work too early. So it's when, when they do come back to work, just making sure you're there for them to pick up on the things that they would normally do, but are dropping because their mind's elsewhere. And just having more time for them and, and, and just a little more oversight in, in a nice way, not in a, a taking things off their plate or overbearing way. And the, the other thing that we did both times was just we had a collection at, at work. And, you know, when people lose people close to them, they tend not to eat. They tend not to clean their houses. So, you know, we, we got cleaners in for a, a, a period of time um, if they wanted it and, you know, sent meals around um, just to, to, to really help make sure they're looking after themselves. That's extremely yeah, powerful. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. The support you show and, and it truly shows that we that that we as leaders care and our teams care, our organizations care about what they're going through. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. And I think what you hit on is really important, Gary, which is I think sometimes even that that acknowledgement of doing something as small as as, you know, being available or or sending a meal or sending something to acknowledge that the team understands and cares can be really powerful because again, I think so often we're told to contain and to separate and to not acknowledge that when people get that and they see that, again, it goes back to a lot of the data that I shared, it reinforces how they feel and their perception of the team that they are on and the leader that they are working with that I think is really important again and reinforcing that those connections, but also that trust and support because that's, you know, if you go back to the state of like talking about, you know, retention and people leaving is, you know, there's a lot going on from a reevaluation, but also people tend not to leave jobs, they leave leaders. So often acknowledge these moments of, of there's a lot happening and what is something that we can do today as leaders, embracing empathetic leadership to build stronger teams, to invest in people and to be there for them when there's a lot going on in the world. So with that, I'm going to pass it to Tamara to close us out with a quote. And thank you so much for everyone being with us for this hour today. Um, yes. And I'm just going to tag on to that is that we're always being watched. So when we do these things for others, the whole entire team is watching what we're doing. And so it's very, it, it has really a ripple effect. So thank you for that. <clears throat> okay. So the quote for today is if we want to create cultures of high quality, compassionate care, then we need to have leaders who embody the value of compassion as part of their continually improving high quality leadership. And that's a quote by Michael West. And then I just want to give you one more that I just love it. So you guys have heard this before, but I think it's great. I've learned that people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And that's Maya Angelou. 
So on that note, please go out and have a wonderful, relaxing, restorative weekend. And thank you for making time to invest in yourself and everyone here today. We hope we'll see you back next Saturday at Learn with Learning to Lead at 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.